I've entitled this sermon, Feet on the Necks. We're going to read a text of Joshua taking dominion over the land. He's going into the promised land. He is doing what God wants him to do. But yet there are adversaries. There are people trying to hinder them. I personally and... Mom and Dad, sorry about this, but I personally don't get Florida. I've made a lot of trips there. People want to live there. It's a peninsula that sticks out in the ocean. You're going to get hit by a lot of hurricanes. And you have alligators. Why live there? And dangerous snakes. I don't get it. But that's, and humidity. And they'll mock us in the summer. In the winter, they'll say, oh, look at all the snow you got. I'm talking about my son. And, you know, he'll, he'll mock and he'll do that. But uh, when I'm there in August and it's 95 degrees out and 99% humidity, it's like, why? Why? Why not move? But alligators are a reality there. I want to show this video because you have to take and not allow the enemy to sit on your promises. This man saved uh, his family, his neighborhood, and uh, this actually happened last year. And so we ready for that? Not that one. Please, not that one. That's the wedding. This was the USA Today article. We can't do it. All right, I'll read the text and then we'll show the video, hopefully. Let's read Joshua ten sixteen through 28. During the battle, the five kings escaped and hid in the cave at Mechidah. And when Joshua heard that they had been found, he issued this command. Cover the opening of the cave with a large rock. Place a guard in front of the at the entrance and keep the kings inside. The rest of you keep chasing the enemy and cut down them from the rear. Don't give them a chance to get back to their towns, for the Lord your God has given you victory over them. So Joshua and the Israelites and the army continued to slaughter and completely crush the enemy. They totally wiped out five armies except for a tiny remnant that managed to reach their fortified towns. Then the Israelites returned safely to Joshua at the camp at Machada, and no one dared speak any, uh, a word against Israel. And Joshua said, remove the rock of the covering, covering the opening of the cave and bring the five kings to me. So he brought out the five kings out of the cave and the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jamarth, Lashidus, Elgon, and Elgon. Uh, And when they had brought them out, Joshua told the commanders of the army, put your feet on the king's necks. And they did as they were told. Don't be afraid or discouraged, Joshua told his men. "Be Be strong and courageous, for the Lord is going to do this to all your enemies. So Joshua killed the five kings and impaled them on sharp poles where they hung until evening. And the sun was setting, and he gave instructions for the king's bodies to be taken down from the poles, thrown into the cave where they had been hiding. 
Then they covered the opening of the cave with a large pile, with a pile of large rocks, which remains to this very day. And the same day, Joshua captured and destroyed the town of Makara and killed everyone, including the king, leaving no survivors. And he destroyed them all, killing the king of Makara, and he had killed the king of Jericho. Are we ready? All right, so I want to show you this video about not allowing the enemy to take over. Go ahead. guy's an ex-army officer. This video was posted to Twitter where the man, where the uh, federal, the Florida Game Commission replied, don't try this at home. Uh, Call us first. He said he did it. I wanted to show you him letting it go. Oh, I guess not. Uh, he, he said he did this to keep his kids safe. It was his house, not the gators. God has promises for you and I, but there is a real spiritual warfare we have to understand. There's a real lesson that we can understand that there is a war with hell. I don't know if you understand, totally grasp that. But the devil is actually out to destroy you, to destroy church, to destroy testimony, to destroy influence. He doesn't want us to have the promises of God, to see the blessing, the favor of God. The children of Israel are in the promised land, but there are enemies, there are kings, there are rulers who try to sit on the promises of God, on the very place that God wants His people to have. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's out, he's looking for prey, and there's uh, lessons uh, personally that we could look at with that, uh, about isolation. We could look about uh, when people put themselves in dangerous positions uh, and such. But uh, the reality I want to just focus in on is the enemy, the great enemy. 
There's an enemy. These, uh, Joshua has to engage these people. They don't go, oh, you're here because God sent you. Why don't we just allow God to be God and we will move on? That's not what they do. They're going to fight Joshua and the children of Israel for every inch of every promise that God has given them. That's part of what we deal with in the spiritual. Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. There's the thought there that this can be a struggle. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, the kingdom of God suffers violent or, or literally struggle and the violent take it by force. In our text, we're reading about five kings. These five kings, there are other kings mentioned in the text of different other cities, but these five kings had made an alliance together and they were going to ally themselves against what God wants to do. There's a reality that there are spiritual forces at work right now. There's demonic strategies to try to keep you from blessing, keep you from, uh, uh, maybe it's finances, maybe it's fruitfulness, maybe it's relationship, maybe it's issues uh, in your own spiritual life, uh, that there's an enemy that is trying to keep you and I from what God wants to do. Ephesians 6.12, for we do not fight against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. There's a hierarchy, but he talks about ruling. Our text talks about kings. In Ephesians, it's talking about unseen authorities. There are definitely what they would call area spirits. There's spirits and authorities and mentalities, if you will, that lay hold of people uh, in certain areas uh, that begin to uh, uh, cause problems for them. Uh, There are nations, they're bound by certain ruling spirits. India is a very populous, uh, should be a very uh, prosperous nation. Uh, It has resources. Uh, It has people. uh, Most, uh, they're not a lazy people like uh, some places in the world that they just don't want to work. They just want a siesta all the time. That's not India. They've got natural resources there, but they are cursed with a curse uh, under uh, Hinduism and worshiping the cow and and all of this kind of uh, nonsense that affects them in a horrible way. That's true in regions, can be true in cities, can be true in states, can be true in the United States or countries. Uh, There are things that affect people. And oftentimes, we're so comfortable with it, we don't even recognize it. Living in Florida, you just get used to gators. Ah, they're no big deal. The man said, I was worried about my children, and I was worried about children in my neighborhood.
spiritual warfare, we're all fighting it right now. And there's a reality that we miss this because we're so comfortable, we're so used to them ruling. Jesus said in John 12, 31, for the time of judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. He, he makes it very clear, Satan rules. I was having a conversation with Pastor Gene LaValle, and we were talking about last days, we were talking about prophecies, we were talking about end times. And, you know, we were just talking about how insane the world has become and how, you know, uh, they've legalized things they shouldn't have legal. You know, ga- gambling's legal in New York, marijuana is legal in New York. These things are destructive. Right? The fight for abortion. All of the, it's like, why do they do that? I mean, for the most part, politicians have to have some level of intelligence. They have to. Why would they make these? Because they're under the control of Satan. He's the ruler and the authority. He rules. Death and sin are his tools. He's trying to resist the church from all that God wants her to be. And he fights in many ways. In our text in verse 16, it says, During the battle, the five kings escaped and hid in a cave. Now, they're not just hiding for their lives. You could go, well, they're just hiding in the sense that, you know, they don't want to be. And many would think, if you want to put that in a context today uh, of just when the Nazi Germany fell, how many of the officers and those involved in the Holocaust all of a sudden just tried to fade into the crowds. Uh, Many tried to move to places like Argentina, became a refuge for them and such. They were trying to save their lives. But what these kings are trying to do is wait for another day. Raise up another army and wait for another day. In America, we've busted, you'll hear from time to time, groups that get busted called sleeper cells. There's probably the most famous one back a number of years ago of a Russian sleeper cell that was caught with about a dozen or so people that they had moved to America, simply assimilated into the culture. They were in no contact with the Kremlin. They were in no contact with their handlers or anything like that until they were going to be useful. America figured them out, found out who they were and such. The devil has sleeper cells. He has sleeper cells in your life. He has sleeper cells that will try to attack A church, the kingdom of God, the move of God, whatever it might be, that will be hiding terrorists. The nation of Lithuania, they actually were the nation that fought the Soviets the longest. They actually fought against the Soviet Union in the terrorist, in the in the freedom fighters, of course, the Lithuanians called them partisans, the Russians called them terrorists. But 
they were always hiding. They didn't show up. They didn't have regular uniforms because this would be too obvious if they were in town. It's just like the devil. He doesn't show up to your door and say, I am the devil. See my red horns, pitchfork, my tail. I'm here to destroy your life. doesn't do that. He's going to wait. He's going to be the sleeper cell. He's going to wait for an opportunity. Luke 4.13, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Some Some translations say, and more opportune time. His strategy was to wait it out. But our text tells us that you don't have to allow the devil to win. You don't have to allow him to win. You may have to take him on like this man had to take on the alligator. But you have to take him on. And some great spiritual insights here that we can understand First thing that Joshua does is he exposes them. He first hides them in the cave, then he removes the rock. He said, bring them to me. Expose them. So often we're fighting an enemy we don't even think is there. And he's able to work in the background. So we have to expose him. You know what's sitting on your finances more than Verizon or RG&E? Or your evil landlord or mortgage company? It's the devil. You know what's sitting on your fruitfulness? It's not the mentality of the day. It's not the liberal Democrats. It's not. It's the devil. You know what's blocking certain relationships or having certain sicknesses run through? It's the devil. And many times we don't even expose him, so we don't even think he's there. Open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings to me from the cave. Verse 12 of our text. Bring them into the light so we can deal with them. John three nineteen through 21 And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. That's not about naming everyone's sin or exposing everything, going through endless lists of sin. But it's dealing with the issue of exposing things. There's an old expression, an exposed devil is a defeated devil. The reason why that is true is because then we know who the enemy is. Who is your enemy? Whether it's sickness finances, fruitfulness, whatever it might be. Joshua said, bring them here. And he has his men put their feet 
on their necks. Verse 24. And so it was when they brought those kings to Joshua. Joshua called the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went out with him, come near and put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. This is about authority. These are kings. These are men who could have ordered the life or death of certain people. These were kings. They would have lived well. Nobody would have dared raise a voice against them. Because you put your feet on their neck. You have to exercise your authority over them. 1 Corinthians 15.25 For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. Romans 16.20 And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the And then I love this. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You know what? Satan's going to be crushed into your feet. And God bless you too. I love that. Because he understands that Paul, as he's writing these, says, you know what? There's a dominion that you need to take. That you need to take. Joshua doesn't say, I'll just kill him. He says, you take dominion over him. I kind of imagining that these kings are snarling and threatening. They're fighting. They're resisting. Like this gator doesn't go, oh, you want me in the barrel? I'll just get in there for you. Wouldn't that be helpful? Right? He's got to fight him for it. Luke 10, 18 through 20. Yes, he told them. This is the 70 who had returned. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority and power over all the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you. But do not rejoice that the evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Joshua said, don't be afraid, verse 25, don't be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for the Lord your God will do this to all the enemies who come against you to fight. He says, you do it. You crush them. You put your feet on their neck. Don't listen to their threats. You have to take authority over it. It's not something that Joshua could even do for them. He had to teach them, this is yours to take. You take authority. Crush his head. After Slade, he puts them on a pole for all to see. Verse 26, and afterwards Joshua struck and killed them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. This is public. In Vilnius, Lithuania, there's a museum. They call it the Genocide Museum. It's a little ironic considering that the Holocaust started in Lithuania and uh, anyway, 
where just down the road 50,000 Jews were killed, but about a 1,000 or so Lithuanians were killed in this particular building, and they call it the Genocide Museum. But one of the lessons you take away from that is when they would kill someone, in the early days under Stalin especially, they would find out where this individual was. And they would throw the body into the town square and leave it there. They would do this because they knew eventually mom or brother or best friend or somebody's going to come and claim it. And when they did that, they would know who to watch. They would know who... This was public. Joshua was doing this on the reverse, and it was also to put fear in the people. As you can imagine, to see, that's my brother with his head half blown off. And they would show pictures of this in this museum. So disturbing. I think my son only went through once, and he left. It's very disturbing pictures. Joshua does this as a public testimony. You know what? You mess with the people of God, this is what happens to you. This is exactly what happens to you. There's something about a public testimony that when we declare victory and have victory over them, we flaunt it in the enemy's face. Colossians 2, 15 And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Jesus, in the spiritual realm, he did this in the publicly. It was noted. You know what, devil? You lost. And this is going to be proclaimed throughout. Something about testifying. You know what? I used to. I struggled, but I took authority. Used the dominion God gave me. Now I have victory. Then he put them back in the cave. Which is great to me in the sense that he sent them back to where they came from. You know, when Jesus cast the, de- demo- the demons out of the demoniac, they beg him not to send them back to the abyss. I don't get it all, but there's one thing I believe that we can do is let hell go back to hell where hell belongs. So at this time, verse 26, at the going down of the sun, Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the tree and cast them into the cave where they'd been hiding, laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. We have the right to put hell back where hell belongs. That is an authority God has given us. So let's talk about application. Because this has application in the New Testament. Not that we should go around throwing people to the ground, putting your hands on their neck and running through them with the sword. Even if you want to. That's not the application. 
But the application here is that we can take dominion. We should take dominion. Prayer, I understand part of prayer is saying, God, help. That's part of my morning prayer. God, help. Please help. Without your help, I'm dead. But it is also commanding. It's very interesting as Jesus prayed for spirits, he commanded them. Matthew 16, 19, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom and whoever and, uh, and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And I understand the asking of God and not presuming. I understand that. But I also understand authority. We have authority, no devil. You know, I, I mentioned the, the t-shirts that, you know, the, I bought my wife a t-shirt, so now I get a thousand advertisements for t-shirts. And one that I really like is, no, not today, Satan. Not today. You have the right in a prayer to take authority. Not just, oh God, would you, please, pretty please, pretty please with sugar on top, pretty please in the name of Jesus, however you want to say it, but to take authority to say, this is my promised land. Get your stinking hands off it. You have that right over spiritual and unclean spirits. This is not just found in prayer. This is found in your words. 1 John 4, 4, but the things that belong to God, uh, but, I'm sorry, but you belong to God, my dear children, and you have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. You've already won the victory. Now just go out and fight it. Just go through what you need to go through. This is why it would behoove you to take scriptures in your situation and pray them. Take a scripture. I need God to help me. Well, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He can do more exceedingly and abundantly than all we ask or think. You did not choose me. I did not choose you. You chose me and ordained me to fruitfulness. You said I would be the head and not the tail. You can take authority by your words. Isaiah 54, verse 17. But in that coming day, no weapon shall be turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice that rises up to accuse you, 
The benefits are enjoyed by the servants of their Lord. Their, vision, their vindication will come from me. I am the Lord. I have spoken it. Make it your own. We have victory. Life, death and life are in the power of the tongue and who, those who love it will reap the consequences. People are either speaking life or they're speaking death. People who speak life don't go around life, 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 life. They speak faith. They speak victory. People who speak death speak unbelief, often get involved in gossip, all of these kinds of things that what dominates your lips? And then finally, there's lifestyle. Lifestyle of faith. Act like God wants you to have it. We could have bought a smaller building. If you believe that God wants to help you in the finances, act like it. Give. So often we want God to bless us first. He says, give. Test me. Pay your tithe. I'll open the window of heaven. Pour out a blessing upon you. Fruitfulness. Go witness. Tell somebody about Jesus. Don't, don't just hand out a flag. Tell them about Jesus. Witness to them. You know, it's unfortunate. Two of the great, best conversations I could have had yesterday, people would actually stop as I began to talk to them, they were already saved. One guy pushed a little bit. I go, oh, yeah. What church you go to? How'd you get saved? Oh, I grew up in church, went away, joined the army, but I came back, got my heart right. I'm like, dude, you're saved. Stay in your church. God bless you. Do you have to take authority and fight the devil? That's given to us. That's the lesson of this text. In his book, Creatures of Habit, Stephen Poe writes these words. He said, when I was in grade school, several kids in my neighborhood walked to and from school each day. We walked down the street where a man had a large dog, a boxer, very intimidating bark, and was tethered to a long chain in the backyard. When we would walk past his house, the dog would start barking and come running after us. And of course, the chain would eventually stop him. But we were worried one day that that chain would break and he would attack us. I would start worrying too about dogs on the block before I ever reached his house. Fear and intimidation. One day, the owner of the dog was in the yard and watched the entire scene unfold. The next day, as we walked by his house, the man was once again outside only this time the dog was on a leash and he saw us and he motioned for us to come over to him. We didn't know if he were, we were in trouble or if he was going to let the dog bite us, but either way, we were not walking over to him. Then he started walking over to us. The entire time the man kept saying, you don't need to be afraid of my dog. He knelt down and he pulled back the dog's upper jaw to reveal that the dog had no teeth. 
Not a tooth in that dog's mouth. The man said, even if this dog were to get loose and try to bite you, it wouldn't hurt. All of us started laughing. We were never afraid of that dog again. When that man told us the truth, all our fears and worries about that dog were instantly gone. You have authority as a child of God over the enemy. I don't know if the devil's toothless. I don't think he is. I got a few scars. You want to see them? But no, never mind. Right? I know that he can bite. But I do know that we win. I do know God has given us the authority. So some of you this morning need to put your feet on some necks. And say, no devil, not today. Not anymore. God is going to help me. God is going to give me the victory. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not right with God. You've got to be a child of God to experience the blessing of God. God wants to help you. The thing that separates you from God is your sin. Willful disobedience to what God has said. But the good news is, Jesus came to forgive us of our sins. We sang that song, Power in the Blood. We sang that song, Let Your Blood Wash Over Me. The reason why we sing those songs and talk about it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us washes us from sin God wants to do miracles in your life but you have to take authority and say God I need forgiveness and I'm calling upon your name your blood your your grace to help me this morning And I believe that if I'll turn from my sin, you will help me and save me. If that's you this morning, I wonder if you'd very quickly put up your hand and say, pray for me. I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. Thank God. I want to pray, right? Anyone else? You want to join an honest heart? Thank God. Anyone else? Very quickly. Maybe you're backslidden away from God. You want to come to Jesus very quickly. Amen. You mean that. Would you come this morning? Just kneel down. Someone's going to pray. Alicia's going to pray with you. You're on. Thank God. Amen. To changing the call to Christians. This man in the opening video, he said, not today, alligator. You're not, nope. You're not, you're nope. It was a struggle. I understand that. It's intimidating. But he took care of it. God has given us the spiritual authority that we can have victory. Whatever area it is in your life that is hindered, not today, Satan. Put put your feet on it, take dominion, and let's see God break through and help you. Let's all stand. These altars are open. Come and crush some necks. The splendor of